All right, are we live? We are live. My mic's on, everything's good. So hey, it's Shalom Kaysen here, and I'm starting a new podcast, which is gonna be the timeline of church history. And I'm gonna be using Wikipedia's timeline of the Catholic Church right here because there are tons and tons of um, resources in the bibliography down here. As you can see, over 70 and even more when when we'll click in and dive deep into some of these subjects. We've got 2,000 years to go through. And today I'm just going to give a quick overview. I am also, hopefully we'll be getting back to the mental prayers. So I know some of you subscribed specifically for that and then I stopped it because of work and everything, but trying to get back into the swing of things. So I hope everybody um, will enjoy this new series, uh, which is going to be every Saturday. And I'm hoping to get back to the mental prayer as well. This series is going to be quite easier because it's just me kind of riffing about church history, which I love. So we're going to go ahead and get started with a quick prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let me switch this back. Uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Lord, please help us to focus on the history of the church and to make our lives better by learning from what uh, people have done in the past wrong and avoiding it and learning what people have done in the past right and going towards it so that we may become holier and holier by learning from your history, O Lord. All right. So here we are, timeline of the Catholic Church, and this is just the introduction today. So I'm going to read through this and give my little commentary as we go. As traditionally, the oldest form of Christianity, along with the ancient or first millennial Eastern Orthodox Church, the non Chalcedonian or Oriental churches and the Church of the East, the history of the Catholic Church is integral to the history of Christianity as a whole. It is also, according to church historian Mark A. Knoll, the quote, world's oldest continuously functioning international institution, unquote. And I really love that quote because the church is really the world's oldest continuously functioning international institution. It started in the first century, and it goes on to this very day. Now, some people might say, well, it's not the same church, or well this, or well that, or the structure has changed, or yada, yada, yada. Yes, um, things have changed and evolved and, you know, become bigger, and some would say better, some would say worse, but it is essentially the same exact uh, institution because it has the same creed even from 2,000 years ago, and that's the Apostles' Creed. Some churches still use the Apostles' Creed. The Catholic Church has used the Apostles' Creed since the beginning, so it is one of the oldest institutions. Um, and what we're going to be covering is a period of about 2,000 years. So, okay, so over time, schisms have disrupted the unity of Christianity. The major divisions occurred in the year 144 with Marcionism, and Marcionism was an early a Christian dualistic belief system that originated with the teachings of Marcion. And we're going to study that um, once we get around to the year 144. 
in the year 318, the church had to deal with Arianism, and these are just a couple of the schisms that happened. Arianism is a non-Trinitarian Christological doctrine which holds that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who was begotten by God, not one and the same substance. We'll go more into Arianism when we get to the year 300. In 451, there was a schism with the Oriental Orthodox Church. They broke off from the main Catholic Church. And in 1054, between 1054 and 1449, the East and Western churches split off, and during which time the Orthodox churches of the East parted ways with the Western church over doctrinal issues, mostly the filioque, we'll talk about that more when we get there, and papal supremacy. In 1517, there was another schism, which is known as the Protestant Reformation. And that, of course, most Protestants know about this because they celebrate this um, every year. And I think it's been about 500 years. Uh, in, no, in 2017, that was 500 years. A lot of Protestants celebrate that. Uh, me, as being a Catholic, I don't celebrate that. I wish all the churches were one, but to, um, you know, we're, we're going to go into that more when we get to the Protestant Reformation portion of this. Um, and now there are many divisions of Protestants. Uh, this article says 200, but there's far more than that, uh, far more unofficial denominations. Um, the Catholic Church has been the driving force behind some of the major events of world history, including the Christianization of Western and Central Europe and Latin America, the spreading of literacy and the foundation of the universities, hospitals, the Western tradition of monasticism, the development of art and music, literature, architecture, contribution to the scientific method, just war theory, and trial by jury. I mean, all these things, the church has affected in one way or another, and in some instances, in a huge way. Uh, a lot of the scientific theories that we have today are due to uh, Jesuit um, uh, priests and monks and other church members who came up with these theories and spread them without really worrying, you know, whether their name was going to be tacked onto it or not. So we don't know a lot of these names. We don't know they were Catholics, but I'm going to get into that more. Um, as we go through these different centuries. So uh, we're going to talk about all this stuff in detail. Like I said, this is just an introduction. Okay, it has played a powerful role. Uh, the church has played a powerful role in global affairs, including the Reconquista, which we will talk about more. You're going to hear this a lot. The Crusades, the Inquisition, people are going to love to hear about the Crusades and the Inquisition and the investiture controversy, which is my favorite period in church history. We will talk about the investiture, investiture it's hard to say, investiture, investiture controversy. We were going to talk about it a lot because I love it. It's my favorite period. Uh, a lot of bad things happen, so it's my favorite because it's one of the most interesting periods. Uh, but there was also uh, the establishment of the Holy Roman Empire, the fall of communism in Eastern Europe, and much more. We're going to get into all that and more. But today, we're just going to talk about the ministry and of Jesus and the founding of the church. So in 4 BC, we had the nativity of Jesus, which you see right here. According to the Gospel of Luke, and all of this is Bible stuff, so I don't really need to go into sources, but we will be going much more deeply into sources and you know, giving you some further reading to do um, as we move on. So uh, we have the nativity of Jesus. According to the Gospel of Luke, his birth occurred in the town of Bethlehem 
during the reign of King Herod the Great of Judea and the Roman Emperor Augustus, and he was the son of the Virgin Mary, who conceived him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ, uh, Christians, that is me and other Catholics as myself, see him as the divine son of God, the incarnate. Um, so uh, the calculations of Dionysus Exegus, I don't know if I said that right, put the birth of Jesus in the year that in consequence is called 1 BC, but most historians don't believe that was the right time. They think that it was between 6 and 4 BC. So that's, you know, most people know the story uh, that comes from the Bible. So in 28 AD, uh, we have Jesus' baptism and the start of his ministry and the selection of the apostles. The Gospel of Luke indicates that Jesus was baptized during the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, which is dated about 28 AD. Christian Gospels strongly suggest Peter as the leader and spokesman of the apostles of Jesus, being mentioned the most number of times in the Gospels. Peter and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, constitute the inner circle of the apostles of Jesus, being witnesses to specific important events of the life of Jesus. And we're going to talk a lot more about Peter and James and John, you know, all the apostles, the things that they did after the Bible. I really want to get into more of the stuff that happened after the Bible, not so much um, the stuff that a lot of people know. Uh, so the preachings of Jesus, such as the Sermon on the Mount and the performance of miracles, mainly involves cures and driving out demons. This inaugurated what is called the Messianic Age. Okay, and the Messianic Age is the future period of time um, on earth in which the Messiah will reign and bring universal peace. And a lot of Catholics consider that that is actually this time right now, universal peace, meaning that the um, Christian faith was, was able to spread across the whole world without much pushback. Yeah, there were martyrdoms and there was sufferings and things like that. But if you look across these 2000 years, the faith really spread across the whole world without being kind of completely stopped or hampered in any way. So uh, that's arguable. Is it the Messianic age or not? I mean, hey, that's up in the air. So in 30 AD, Peter declared, declares and other followers believe Jesus of, Nazareth, <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth to be the Jewish Messiah promised by Yahweh according to the Jewish scriptures and the predictions of the Hebrew prophets. So this is the part in the Bible where it's like, you know, Jesus says, Peter, who do you think I am? Or, well, he asks all of them. They say, oh, some say John the Baptist. Some say, you know, you're Elijah. And Peter says, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, you're the son of God. And that's when he says, you know, you're a Peter upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So that's uh, what happened right there. It's the realization for the apostles. Hey, he is God. So then we have the entry into Jerusalem, start of the passion of Christ. We're not going to get into this, like I said, uh, because I really want to talk about what happened after uh, the Bible so that, that that's the information most people don't know about. OK, Jesus of Nazareth is crucified in Jerusalem under Pontius Pilate. He was the procurator of Judea at the time, during the reign of Tiberius and Herod Antipas. After the Sanhedrin, under the high priest Caiaphas, accuses Jesus of blasphemy. A lot of terms you don't know, we don't need to really worry about them. You can find out more about that if you want to by reading the Gospels. Okay, um, he was then crucified under Pontius Pilate. According to his followers, three days later, God raised him from the dead, according to Christians, of course, and that is what I definitely believe. There is no reason to be uh, a Christian, really, if you don't believe in the resurrection. That is the linchpin, as they say. Okay, so 40 days after the resurrection, 
and ascension, uh, the Gospels narrate that Jesus instructed his disciples thus, quote, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of time, unquote. And that's from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Ten days later, on Pentecost, Peter makes a first sermon converting 3,000 people to become baptized. And that is just our kind of intro. Uh, next week, or if I come back and I have time, I'll do another video. Uh, we'll be going into early Christianity, which is going to go from about 34 AD to about 312. And it, this is going to be broken up into a couple of different weeks because I'm going to dig deep into like when we do St. Stephen. We'll talk about um, Our Lady of the Pillar, James the Great, uh, Barnabas. So a couple of these in each episode. And yeah, it's going to kind of go like that. So I hope this gives you a good idea of what we're going to be doing, a good little intro. And like I said, subscribe if you want to learn more about church history, because I'm going to be going through all 2,000 years as best as I can and giving my little two cents. So the main reason why you want to talk about history more, let me kind of minimize this, um, is that you want to learn from the bad things that people did, don't do them, and learn from the good things that people did and do more of those. That's the main reason to read into history because God gave us history as a learning tool. So so what you want to do is say, okay, <clears throat> what happened? Why did it happen? And, and how can I become better based off of that? So if people had slaves in the past, for example, uh, which was when they were treating them horribly, then uh, we look back at that and we don't just say, oh, there's, there's, you know, institutional racism. It just goes on forever and ever. We can't stop it. No, you look back and you say, well, people shouldn't have slaves. So if, if we see people having slaves, we should stop them and try to stop them from doing that. But otherwise, if people are racist, that, that's their own personal opinion. Of course, they shouldn't do it. But we can learn from people in the past like, hey, the main idea that we learned from the whole slavery uh, stuff is that, hey, people shouldn't do that. That particularly is bad. Don't buy and sell people. And if people are under your care, don't treat them badly. And, and as far as racism, we can look back. In America, in, in other countries too, but me specifically, because I'm American, if you're not, and you're listening to this, we have the uh, a lot of racism going on after the Civil War until the 1960s. And it's like one of the things that we can learn from that is not that this goes on forever and people are still racist now, which of course I don't believe. What we need to learn from that is that we should um, try our best to treat everyone equally, even if they don't treat us equally. And we should we should peacefully um, uh, fight for our rights. And I don't know how you put peacefully and fight together, but you know what I mean. Uh, so that's what kind of how you learn from history. And that's what we're going to be doing with this particular course. So that's it for the first episode. And I hope you subscribe and join me for the further episodes. I'm hoping to do at least one a week, but who knows? So uh, we'll just close out with a prayer and uh, that'll be it. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity to research your history in your creation and to learn how to become holier and holier from it so that one day we may be able to be saints uh, with you and your angels in heaven. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. 
Amen. All right. Uh, catch everybody next time. Bye-bye.